Packers have played their four quarters. Now it's time for the fifth quarter. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Another edition of the fifth quarter. First time in a while. We're talking about a pack of victory. Took care of the Dolphins of Miami. 31-12 at Lambeau yesterday afternoon. Not like they needed a tourniquet, but it certainly is at least gauze to stop the bleeding. <laughs> Get them back to 500 and half a season to go. And let's see what happens as they go back on the road. I call it the Lambeau layover after the coast-to-coast trip to L.A. Then to New England. Home for a, you know, change of underwear. And then it's off to Seattle on Thursday night to take on the Seahawks. A lot of ground to cover tonight alongside, as always, Mad Z, hello there, man. Hello, hello, hello. As I said in my blog post, uh, this is a a team that made a comfortable win look uncomfortable at times. Sure, You know, they did, they, they, remember the girl with the curl thing last week? They got everybody wild up. They do so many things excitingly well. Aaron Jones, big time performance yesterday. Defense, a half dozen sacks. Nice pick by Bashad Breeland. And then a Tremont Williams fumble midfield. Terrible fourth and two play call, and they get it at midfield. Block punt, J.K. Scott, get it inside the 30. Thankfully, it was Brock Osweiler in Miami and not Tom Brady in New England, or those field goals might have been touchdowns, and we could be having a different conversation. But you know where I'm going? You see the glimpses. Sure, absolutely. And now you got to see complete, complete games. Better in a lot of respects, and I don't want to nitpick, and I don't want to, you know, excuse winning against anybody. Uh, as depleted as the Dolphins were, especially for this team this year. But uh, they're going to need a whole lot more, especially over the next two weeks. Yeah, and there's a lot of football left to be played, and now this is a huge test with a quick turnaround. You try to get your body healthy first. You should have heard the guys bitching about that. And they should. Yeah. You know, in the NFL used to be, oh, player safety, player safety, player safety. (laughs) And then you get a situation like a late Sunday night afternoon game. You turn around fly two time zones and play on a Thursday night, these guys' bodies, they're not going to be recovered. They're not going to be close to 85% for a game on Thursday night, but it's the nature of the beast. Everyone you has do to it. go through it, and they're going to go through it, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, but, Brian uh, Balaga, really, I liked his comments, his very sarcastic comments yeah. about how much the NFL cares about player safety yeah, yeah, yeah. with these Thursday night games. Yeah, we'll find out. But it's a tall order at CenturyLink, which has been the Packers' house of horrors for so many years and so many reasons. I think they're one and four all time out there. But let's go play and see what happens. Yeah, and Packers are good in these quick turnaround games under Mike McCarthy. I think they're ten and four, eight and two when there's a real quick turnaround like this for Thursday night football. But so is Seattle under Pete Carroll. I think they're 7-1 and one in these situations where you play a later game on a Sunday, quick turnaround on a Thursday. So both teams respond well to it, but both teams don't like to do it. No, but they'll have to and do it. And huge wins needed by both teams. You know, there's a lot of football to be left, but the loser of this game... Pretty well, especially it's the almost Seahawks. Over. I mean, the, the Rams can clinch the West yeah. this weekend. They have a, you know. This is a huge Thursday night game for both franchises. Yeah, I know. No kidding. No kidding. It'll be uh, could be lost number six for Seattle. They went to four and five yesterday. Lost number five for the Packers and leave them with absolutely no room for error. But let's get to the performance yesterday. 31-12. Green Bay gets it done. As we said, uh, big plays early offensively. Really nice drive off the uh, early turnover by Miami. Uh, Rogers to Adams for seven after uh, a field goal for the. Uh, Dolphins off the uh, fumbled punt. They came right back, and uh, Aaron Jones rips off a long run, finishes off the drive with a two-yard splash. 
Couple of more boots, uh, just like that. It's a two-point game, and I'm thinking, are you kidding me? This team losing to that team? I don't know how the Dolphins have won five, to tell you the truth. Uh, they did not look very good, but they hung around until big couple of bang-bang plays. Another touchdown by Jones, the Breland pick, the Adams touch, and it's all she wrote. All said and done. Let's go to the locker rooms, shall we? And we'll begin with the boss, head coach Mike McCarthy, offering his summary of win number four. Well, that was a good team win today, a good home win. Um, I thought start with the defense. I thought defense did a heck of a job keeping them, keeping them out of the end zone there a couple times. You know, holding the field goals, uh, two turnover, two turnovers was big. Six sacks, so uh, a lot of guys played on defense. We had a number of injuries uh, that we, we were able to deal with throughout the game. So excellent job by the coaching, the communication, and you know Blake Martinez and the guys. You know, getting in out of those, those personnel groups. There were a lot of personnel groups, and we'll tell you about that uh, with all of the injury news a little bit later on. Over on the other side, Miami head coach Adam Gase had several gift-wrapped scoring chances. We didn't take advantage of the opportunity. I mean, it just seems like we had so many little things that we were counting on, like somebody making a play, a block punt, we get a turn, turnover on balance, like things like that. Were, like We didn't take advantage on that on offense. That hurts us. We don't execute the right things on offense, and then now the defense is put in a bad position, and then it's just a snowball effect for us. And we needed to play this a certain way. It was close, but we just at the end of the day, we didn't get it done on offense. No, not with Osweiler. No, if they had a better quarterback, if Tannehill plays in that game, they probably Maybe. take advantage of some more yeah, situations. Their attrition rate at receiver was high, too. They yeah. had a lot of guys dropping out with injuries, and they still were banging Frank Gore forever as well, but just couldn't punch it into the end zone. Packer offense finally had balance. 199 passing, 195 rushing, and 145 of that coming from Aaron Jones on 15 carries with the two scores. He had plenty of holes to run through. A lot, a lot just able to run, find the lane, and a lot of times just be one-on-one with the safety. So it all starts up front with the blocking unit. Blocking unit, open it up. They did fantastic. And what's really fun to watch about Aaron Jones is once he sees the hole, he hits the hole, but then he's got such quick acceleration. Well, he's, he's accelerated before he's in the hole. That's he, the yeah, thing. He goes 0 to 21.3 miles per hour very, very quickly. <laughs> 20, yeah, they did. We'll about that a little <laughs> he, bit later. He, he, he Byron, accelerates fast. I know. Byron Bell, part of that blocking unit. He was proud of Aaron's effort. Well, Mr. Jones, yeah, he's a, he's a great back. I was telling him this past week, uh, I think he made up for the fumble this week. That's the, the pulse of the NFL. You know, one week, you know, it don't go our way, but, you know, come out and swing and got 100 plus yards. I mean, hell of a deal by him. He's Mr. Jones now? No, Mr. Jones. <laughs> Mr. Jones. He and Mr. Jones from Byron <laughs> Bell. And he's right. I forgot about the fumble in Foxborough and, uh, and really delivered. And that run game allowed Mr. Rogers to deliver 19 completions and two more touchdowns. Well, we needed to win, so that was important. But uh, we got the run game going. We had a lot more balance, which we haven't had all season. Uh, you know, but uh, there's things to work on. Started off fast, had a little bit of a lull, and then kind of got things going again. So it wasn't atypical. <laughs> now, stick with the run game, right? We've seen this. Flashes here and there. Consistent stick with the run game. Stick not, with Jones getting chances. It's not going to happen. Yeah. McCarthy is a passing offensive-minded head coach. And you've got one of the best passers in right. NFL history to but, work with. But you're so also... So to expect this team to turn oh, into 40 carries no, a game. No, 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 no. That is not what I'm saying. But 15 yeah. to 20? I'll Absolutely. tell you this. They're going to stick with Aaron Jones. Yeah, We're going to see less and less of Jamal. You're, you talk about a change of pace. That's going to be 
change of pace. That's how quick he's going to be in and out now, I think, maybe a series or two. But is Jones going to be able to withstand 60 minutes, 20 to 25 carries with that frame? And as hard as he runs, I know he avoids the big collisions yeah. uh, with quickness and, 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 and leans and things like that. But, you know, he's, he, he's not Earl Campbell now. Let's not get no, no, crazy. No, 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 no. But he is showing week after week he's one of the better weapons on I agree. this offense. Yeah, the dynamic playmaking ability is just too hard to ignore. But and anyway. you don't have to give him 20 to 25 rushing attempts. But if you can give him 15 rushing attempts, get him involved in the passing game a few times hey, as well. First drive of the game. Right. Two, rush, two rushes for 27, two receptions for 27. He had 54 of the uh, uh, 70 yards on the opening drive. And then you're That's not, the key. Then you're not taking huge hits from linebackers true. and linemen all the time. That's true. All right, well, we'll see how it moves forward. Well, anyway, in the air, Devontae caught both TDs. That's now nine this season for Adams. You know, Rodgers wanted to target Devontae a lot more. It was just four receptions on seven targets, and even Devontae says that's still not enough. I feel like we did a little bit better, but I, I feel like there's always room for improvement in that area, especially when, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a guy who, who wants the ball a lot. I mean, it's, it's just what it is. It's not, it has nothing to do with selfishness, but <laughs> I'm one of the guys who's in charge of making plays on this, for, this, for this offense and for this team, so I expect to you know, be put in situations to where I can do that. Um, I feel like we did a pretty good job. Sometimes the coverage is going to dictate where the ball goes, um, so we can't do much about that. But, yeah, like I said, we can always uh, do a little bit better. He's cut more TDs than any receiver in the game since the start of last season. Yes. I mean, he is absolutely their best weapon. Should have had three, actually. Yeah. But uh, on that deep post, that was just a little too high. Uh, adversity defense, much better. The Packers kept Miami out of the end zone. Came up with two takeaways, too. Well, Reggie Gilbert on that gift shotgun snap, really. But Bashar Breeland with a third-quarter interception. So it felt good to contribute with a big play. Uh, it felt great, uh... You know what I mean? Like, all I've been through this all season uh, to finally get back and play ball uh, and to make a play like that to really help our team gain the momentum. It was a glorious moment for me. Very good moment for him, no question about it. And the pass rush, half dozen sacks from six different players. Clay Matthews not among them, but he said, hey, that's still a pretty impressive day. Uh, scheme definitely helps. You know, there, there's a lot of guys involved in the pass rush. Um, and I'm not just talking about four, you know, four-man rush. I'm talking about, uh, you know, some of these simulated pressures, blitzes on third down. But, um, you know, guys just won their one-on-ones as well. And, you know, they were banged up, no doubt about it. I know they were playing with, you know, three backups in there. But you got, you got to capitalize on that. And I thought we did a great job of putting pressure on uh, Osweiler, making him get rid of the ball. And, you know, I think, I think we just did a good job. They did a good job. Packers now have 15 different players with at least a half a sack. They have 31 sacks. That leads the NFL with two other teams. And their percentage of sacks per pass attempts, number one in the NFL. And Matthews and Perry combined of four. Go figure. It's yeah. scheme. Remember? It is. See, absolutely. Beginning of the year, we are saying, oh, they didn't get the pass rusher. They didn't get the big guy coming off the edge that could really help Matthews and Perry. Yes, they did. And Mike Pettin, his schemes deliver pressure. And when you are playing in front and you're playing in favorable down and distance, you're seeing what's happening. They're just lighting them up. They don't know who's coming from where. And as a fan, do you care where the sacks and pressure is coming from, or are you just happy that pressure is coming? I think the bean counters over there are concerned. Yeah. I mean, we're $25 million in on those two, and they have four sacks. A couple of those guys, yes. But ultimately, in a team sport and a team defense, True. as long as you are getting to the quarterback and making life miserable, So we're going to enlist votes for Kyler Fackrell to the Pro Bowl? Is that what we're saying? How many sacks does he have now? He's got five. Five? All right. 
That's more than clay. <laughs> Come on. All right, man. Yeah. Get, uh, get on the fackle train. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, but the pass rush is there. Anyway, after two on the road and the Lambo layover comes two more on the road. But Aaron Rodgers hopes the home cooking tastes this good through the rest of the season. I hope so. We're uh, pretty tough to beat at home right now, I think. Uh, and as the weather continues to turn in our favor, meaning colder the better, I uh, like our chances at home, but we got to win some road games or we're going to be home in January for good. I don't think we have to add anything more to that. No, listen, you take care of business at home, but you better start now start, winning on the road. It's got to start now. Seattle coming next. Good win, though. Let's bury the fins and say goodbye to Bud, Sandy, and Flipper, and we won't have to see them for another four years. <laughs> Right? And that's okay. Uh, that's, okay. that's okay. We are live from the stadium view. And next Holmgren. trip will be in Miami. You'll enjoy I that. I will enjoy that. Hope it's in December. Uh, we're live from the stadium view on Holmgren Way. Stone's throw from Lambeau. And we welcome our listeners in Wausau and Sheboygan and all those viewing, streaming on our websites across the Midwest Communications Company. And what's going on at the View, Z? Always a lot of great stuff here at the Stadium View. Double bubble every Monday from 10 to close. Every weekday from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Logan Spicer going to be playing inside tomorrow night, 6 to 9. Then Wednesday, stop in at before and after the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Really? That's oh, this yeah. week already? The yeah, TSO. Shows? It's a huge tailgating crowd. <laughs> Trans-Siberian Orchestra. The fans of TSO, notorious drinkers. All right. I mean, it's crazy how wild those fans and get. And they don't do the wave when the offense has the ball? Enjoy the Packer game here at the Stadium View this Thursday night. Speaking of drinking, yes. free shots every Packers touchdown. Let's hope there's a Hey, lot. let's hope it's a shootout. All right, when we come back, we'll bring on our special guest, an insider from the NFL Network. I think you're going to like him. Don't go away. Fifth quarter returns right after this. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Packers get to 4-4-1 with that win over Miami yesterday. Now on to, we're on to Seattle. And it's time to bring out our special guest for the night. Got to qualify this by saying uh, it is such a compressed week. Mike McCarthy's got the boys after school tonight. Uh, they've got to get about four days of work in and about uh, 30 hours or so. So their stay program, which was usually at the end of the week, started about five, well, about five minutes ago, and it's going until 6.30. So Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Uh, is, is still due, uh, but uh, obviously uh, not due tonight. But I thought I'd bring in another wide receiver, Randy Moss. Well, yeah, you <laughs> yeah. hear that all the time. You hear it all yeah. the time. You hear all the groans, I, right? I know. Oh. Well, stay in the wide receiver. But anyway, guy that I really appreciate, saw him in the locker room, and uh, he's, we've crossed paths over the years uh, as he's covered the Packers for the NFL Network. Please welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Randy Moss to the fifth quarter. Hello, Randy. How's it going? Thanks for coming over. Really appreciate it. So what brings you into Green Bay other than having your – Network uh, covering this one Thursday night. This is my first trip to Green Bay this season. I mean, I've been a reg I, I, I've been a regular over the last I ten know, years yeah. or so. But a lot of times, I'm the setup guy for Thursday night football. <laughs> right. right? Okay. I come in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, either the home site or the visiting site. So you, and and kind of get the viewers ready for what they're about to see. And, and you feed Mariucci everything he needs to and know. And then I right? get to go home and watch it on TV. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, that's it's a great a good, job. That's a good way to go. Uh, what what are your impressions of the pack? This is a team that, like I said, will thrill you and spill you. Well, I mean, obviously you had to like what you saw Sunday with the caveat that if Brock Osweiler and a banged-up Dolphins team had come into Lambeau Field and actually beaten the Packers, 
the flags would be at half mast all over Green Bay today. And the coaching I mean, search would be underway. That was expected, yeah. right? That yeah. was what you were supposed to see. But even within that win, there were some things that, that really caught my eye. Namely, 6.55. So what does that mean, right? All right. That is the average yardage that Aaron Jones got before first contact. Ooh, that's a good one. Between six and seven yards average per carry before anyone on the Miami Dolphins even made contact with him. That's unbelievable. I mean, that's one of the highest numbers, maybe the highest number in the NFL this season. I would think it's got to be. And I know the Dolphins don't have the greatest run defense in the world, but they're not that bad. So I thought the Packers did an exceptional job. Uh, I thought it was encouraging, and I know a lot of Packers fans have been clamoring for this all season long, but it was encouraging to see Aaron Jones play 74% of the offensive snaps. Yeah. Since the bye week, it's gotten a little bit higher and a little bit higher. Well, you know the story. He sat the first two exactly. for the suspension for the marijuana arrest and the charge. And then they worked him into the rotation slowly. And, you know, he was making every game he played it was at least one 10-yard carry. I think that's still going. He's at least had one rush for 10-plus so far this season. Now you jettison Ty Montgomery to Baltimore, reduces the number of snaps for the whole backfield. And Aaron's become the front runner, rightfully so. I mean, I know there are a lot of Packers fans that I've talked to over the last couple of months that have, you know, we don't want a backfield by committee. We want Aaron Jones to yeah. get the ball the majority of the time. And I think uh, yesterday you saw what he's capable of doing uh, when he's the featured back. All right. Uh, defensively, second team they've kept out of the end zone, both from the AFC East, shutting out Buffalo, and now four field goals for Miami. Well, there's a lot of parts that are exceptional. You know, when you get Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels, obviously, on the front, Blake Martinez is playing exceptionally well at linebacker. Uh, I think Jair Alexander is playing better than anyone could have expected him to play yeah. uh, for a rookie at, 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 at cornerback in the NFL. So, I mean, there are a lot of really interesting uh, parts that are, that are seemingly gelling pretty well and maybe – if Sunday is any indication, gelling at the right time. And we brought up Mike Pettin, too. Uh, and I think yeah. he's an X factor that this is a system that's just nine, <clears throat> nine games in to implementation. I mean, he's unpredictable. And I think that's very important in the passing game in the NFL right now for a defensive coordinator. I mean, you've got to be able to look at Mike Zimmer in Minnesota. I mean, it's, it, it's kind of cut from the same cloth. Mm-hmm. Offenses don't necessarily know where the blitz is coming from, if they're going to blitz. And that second, you know, that sort of second thought that it engenders in the opposing quarterbacks and the opposing offensive coordinator is a big deal. I talked to Kenny Clark today about that when we were talking about the sack numbers and where the pressure is coming from. <laughs> and, uh, and he, you know, he said he can hear more line declarations in front of him than ever before, which is a very good sign. He got a big smile on his face. Was it you that said that they uh, led the NFL or tied for the lead yeah, in the NFL yeah, in sacks? Yeah. And Kenny gets this big grin on his face. <laughs> he had no idea. He had no idea, but no he was idea. beaming from ear to ear. He wanted. He liked to hear that. Yeah, no kidding. What do you got, Matt? So looking at the NFC North, you've got the Bears, Vikings, Packers, Lions. Are the Bears the team in the NFC North in your mind? I, I think they're for real. Uh, I know that the Packers get them one more time. Mm-hmm. The Vikings get them twice. So I think the jury is still out a little bit, but – when you've got a defense like the Bears have, you know, especially now with Khalil Mack, and you've got an offense that right now is playing as a top-ten offense, 
I mean, I, I, can, I, can, I think that the Bears are for real. Now, you know what the record is of the teams the Bears have beaten? Not good. 18 and 37. Yeah. So the, the jury's going to be out when they yeah. uh, right. th- this, you know, th- these last half dozen weeks of the season. We'll see. You mentioned Thursday night football. You have Packers, Seahawks. From you talking to players around the league when you're doing your reporting for the NFL Network, what do you hear from players in terms of Thursday night football? They hate it. Yeah. Universally, they hate it. Have you ever heard from a player that said, oh, I love this, playing on Thursdays? <laughs> I, I, I maybe have, a rookie who doesn't know maybe better? Maybe only the winning side on the way home. I, yeah. I have heard some players try to be politically correct, right? And they won't come out and say they hate it. They'll focus on the benefit on the back end. Oh, well, then you get up. Right. It's a mini-buy, they yes. like to say. Right. But then you get them away from the microphones. They're like, I don't, know. don't like it at all. No, no, one, no one likes it. You don't have rest going into it to get your body right. Then you play. Even with a mini-buy, your body's still not going to recover fully from that. I mean, I can't imagine. You know, what's interesting from a historical perspective, today I was going back and I was looking at the Green Bay Packers' history of playing on Thursdays, okay? Right. And obviously Thanksgiving is included in that history, and it goes all the way back to 1923, as, yeah. as most things do in Green right. Bay when it comes That's to when professional football. That's when they had the, the fundraising game just to keep the thing alive right. to yeah. play Thanksgiving. And, and what I was trying to find, and I did find, is that the, uh, this regular season Sunday to Thursday 1,900-mile trip to Seattle is unprecedented in the history of the Green Bay Packers, right? But in looking up all the games, one thing I discovered that I didn't really, I'd forgotten, there were actually Thursday night games played in the NFL yeah, I know. in the early to mid-90s. Packers played a couple of those, yes. Always after a bye. All right. The NFL would never ask the teams to play on Sunday and then come back and play on Thursday. That Obviously, that's been thrown out the window, and players, by and large, don't like it. <laughs> what are what are the biggest surprises for you in the NFL so far this season? And maybe some of the biggest disappointments looking around the league? I probably the biggest surprise, I, I shouldn't have been a skeptic, but I was a moderate skeptic coming into the season of Patrick Mahomes. Oh, okay. Even knowing Andy Reid's reputation <laughs> as a, you know, so called quarterback whisperer, right? Uh I you know, Alex Smith had been very efficient as a quarterback in Kansas City, and I, I thought there would be a lot more growing pains for Mahomes this I, year. And I was expecting so more far. of the same kind of not a lot of deep shots. Right. Uh, let's play the way Alex Smith was playing with the nice, safe checkdowns, lo, you know, low percentage defensive or troublesome throws anyway. Uh, but no, but I don't think Alex had Hill. I don't think he had the rest of those speed burners that Andy's deploying now. Yeah. I mean, the Saints haven't surprised me. I thought they were the second best team in the NFC last year. They were better than the Vikings. The Vikings only beat them on a fluke at home yeah. in that in that playoff game. In Minnesota, right. In Minnesota, right. Uh, the Eagles haven't surprised me that they've struggled a little bit. I think you can kind of see that coming. Everything went perfectly for the Eagles last season, and that's just not going to happen on a regular basis in the NFL. I would say Mahomes and the Chiefs are probably the biggest surprise. Biggest me. disappointment so far? Uh, that's interesting. I'd have to think about that one a little more. I'm not, I'm not really sure. What would you think? What, throw, well, some I, can, I, throw some I, candidates I, out there. I, I don't know. I, we knew the Giants were going to suffer, but 
you know, tape. with Odell and with Barkley's addition, I thought that would kind of revitalize Eli and at least make him a better yeah. player. But it's just Eli really, really looks like at the end of the line. He does. He does. Uh, I was a Baker Mayfield fan and a, and a Sam Darnold skeptic going into this year because of all the um, ball security issues Darnold had at Southern Cal. Um, and I have a couple of kids that went to Oklahoma, so I've paid a lot of attention to Baker Mayfield <laughs> over the years. All right. <laughs> I'm a Southern guy. Yeah, well, how do your kids go to Oklahoma? You're I went Arkansas. to Arkansas. I know. I went to Arkansas. Two kids went to Oklahoma. Yeah. All right. Yeah. No, I kept it all in the family. Badgers or nothing. <laughs> so. Did you, uh, once you were out of Arkansas, do you continue to follow the, the university, all the different sports programs? Unfortunately, yes. Yeah. I do continue to follow what? the Arkansas Razorback oh, football program. Oh, it is yeah. What did you think so, of Brett Bielema yeah, as head that. coach um, of that football team? What did I think of Brett Bielema as head coach? I think uh, he's with the Patriots, by the yes, way, Yes, he's now. consulting. Yeah. Uh, I think Brett is, is an outstanding head coach, but I think he was miscast as an SEC head coach at a second-level SEC school like Arkansas because Brett Bielema's standard operating procedure, right, is to muscle up on the offensive yeah, line. Right, Wisconsin's and, way, yeah. And basically just Big pummel run. the opposition into submission. You're not going to pummel Alabama yeah. and LSU <laughs> into submission with the kind of athletes that you can recruit at Arkansas. It's not going to happen. Right. The way you win at Arkansas – you wouldn't win with him now, I guess, is but how Bobby Petrino used to win in Arkansas. <laughs> right. Throwing the ball here well, and there and a high power. Work. Yes, he is looking for work. But anyway. But Brett Bielema, you know, probably the only head coach who would have matched the mascot. <laughs> I mean, he, he definitely looks like a Razorback. He's got that body type for yeah, sure. He does. Yes. All right, Randy Moss, our guest tonight. We're going to take a break. Talk more about the ins and outs of the NFL Network. Quite a venture that's become a gigantic success. Don't go away. More of the fifth quarter right after this timeout. All right, welcome back, everybody. we got nine down, seven to go for the back beginning Thursday night in Seattle. By the way, we'll have the fifth quarter next Monday night. Uh, I'll be en route from the great uh, Emerald City uh, on Friday evening. So Monday night, back at our regular time, as we do every week. We look for a hot play of the day. It's brought to you by our friends from Robinson's. You know how it works. You get the prize tonight if you guess the right play, and you're qualified for the indoor club seats for that Lions home finale Right before New Year's Eve. All right, Z, who we got and what do we got for the hot play of the day? Art is up first. Arthur. Art, what's your guess? Uh, my guess is that Aaron Jones, 60-plus yard run. I like that one. I like that one. Um, but, you know, yeah, we'll go with that. We'll go with that because, you know what, uh, the hot play was what? just one of many warm efforts by Aaron Jones. Certainly the 10-yard TD in the third put the pack back up by two scores. Let's listen to that one first. Packers lead by two, 9.46 to go here in the third. The next Scanling the and Devontae Adams, along with Brown, cluster to the left, handoff to the running wow. back, Jones up the middle of the five, goes, end zone, spinning, touchdown! Yeah, I think people are Like that. the pinball wizard, he went spinning into the end zone, 10-yard <laughs> touchdown run. Aaron Jones and a Lambo leap to the south end zone stands. It's 20 to 12. There you go. Wayne Larrabee on the Packer Radio Network call. Now that was the capper to his day, but the career day in rushing yards highlighted by his career-long 67-yard dash. And this is why I'm giving it to Art because it was the quote of the day in the locker room after the ball game uh, because Aaron says, you know, I, I know I got to the hole in a flash. 
There was nobody there. The, start, the blocking unit, they did a great job sealing everything off, and it's like the seas parted. Do you know how fast you were going on that run? I don't. Uh, they have this uh, NFL next-gen stats that said you were going 21 to 23 miles an hour. Dang, now how fast was the dude who caught me? <laughs> I don't think I've ever ran 21 miles before in my life. <laughs> I didn't know I was that fast. <laughs> I felt slow at the time, but now you tell me what I, I was 21 miles per hour. I don't feel slow, so thank you. You made me feel better. <laughs> 21.3 miles per hour yep. it was timed on that 67-yard run. That is fast. That's fast. A couple of other notes about Aaron Jones. It was Veterans Day yesterday, and both his parents, as you know, he was our guest a couple weeks ago, uh, are lifelong uh, military yep. uh, servicemen and women, and he got two game balls, and he gave one to mom, one to dad, who That's were in awesome. attendance yesterday yeah. on Veterans Day. How good is that? I got another note I saw today. His average per carry now in his career is like 6.3. And among running backs in all-time NFL history with at least 150 carries, Aaron Jones is number one ahead of Bo Jackson. Better give this guy the ball, right, Randy? Get him right, the but ball. But not too much. Not, not too, too much. much. <laughs> Holy cow. Anyway, Aaron Jones, congrats, Art. We'll do the cold play of the day in a little bit as well. Randy Moss of the NFL Network, our guest. Uh, were you there from the start, Randy? You know, you were at uh, the other network no, for a I was. No, I was at ESPN for, uh, for quite a while, and I worked for NBC as well doing horse racing. But yeah, we'll get I, to that. I started in 2007 at okay. the NFL Network, so I've been there 11 years. It was an interesting venture when it started. It came at the explosions of like the Big Ten Network, the SEC Network, and all of these other things. And uh, but this has grown into a, a ridiculous success for the league. I think. I mean, every year it, it seems the ratings, at least, yeah. you know, seem to get a little better and a little better. It hasn't hurt the Thursday night football, you know, that started on NFL Network what, five, six, seven yeah. years ago. Two thousand six has been that long. It's been twelve yeah. years ago. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think they've done a they've done a pretty good job. It's always a delicate balancing act at NFL Network, and I know a lot of other media outlets talk about it uh, yeah, because it's owned the, by the you're league. You're the shill, yeah. You okay. know, you're the shill. You're the employees of the owners and all that. But the owners have actually done a remarkably good job of recognizing that NFL Network cannot be considered by football fans as being a legitimate news source unless the owners kind of take a little bit of a step back. And so you don't, you don't get a lot when you're a guy like me in the field. You know, you don't get mm -hmm. a lot of interference All right. in terms of what you can talk about and what you can't talk about. Now, is there a perception? Now, there is in some circles of the media here that the Green Bay Packers with Packers.com with uh, their hopes of taking the broadcast rights for radio in-house in the future when their contract with WTMJ runs out, is that they want to completely control the message and make it much more difficult for us to weed out the information. Really? There's a perception that way. Nothing league-wide like that. I, that the, not that I know of. Not, not that I have heard. Not that anyone has mentioned to me. That... I mean, I know with the internet now, and every team but has its own website that it, yeah. that it wants to drive traffic to as much as possible. It's a revenue source. You know, they're, they're, it's changed the landscape, not just the NFL, of every sport, really. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. everything. Yeah. Even to the POTUS. You know, I mean, it's, it's that far-reaching yeah. and that impactful. All right, that's interesting. Uh, Rich Eisen is kind of 
your quarterback, right, for the yeah. whole thing? Yeah. I mean, there from the start? There aren't many guys who do a better job at what he does than Rich Eisen. I, I would say Bob Costas and Rich Eisen are the only two people who can do what Rich does as well as Rich does it. Can you believe sitting on a being able to sit on a set live, <laughs> right? And you got at one point you had Deion Sanders, Michael Irvin, Warren Sapp, you had all these yes. guys all trying to talk at the same time, right? Right. And Rich has sort of got to be the circus ringleader with a chair and the whip and kind of <laughs> keep everybody under control and he's done a great job of it. Yeah, outstanding. See? So you touched on a little bit that you've done thoroughbred racing coverage. You've covered the Olympics, football. What's your favorite? Is it football? Well, I actually grew up around horse racing, and horse racing has been my sort of primary gig for a long, long time. I mean, I've been to, what is it now, 38 of the last 39 Kentucky Derbies. Nice. Wow. So a lot of people think it's a bucket list thing. You know, yeah. it, it ceased to be a bucket list thing for me a long time ago. But, you know, for ESPN and then for NBC, you know, I'm on their – I'm one of their primary horse racing guys. So that's since, – since I was – I started handicapping horses for a newspaper when I was 13. Really? Yeah. 13? 13. And some – under somebody else's name. Well, yeah. They didn't want anyone to know <laughs> – they didn't want anyone to know a 13-year-old was dispensing financial <laughs> advice, right? Yeah, really. So I've been doing that for a long time. Wow. How do you – okay. So how do you handicap horse racing? I mean, I, I don't follow horse racing much except for when the derby comes around every year or someone's going for a triple crown, something like that. But how do you analyze horse to horse and try to handicap races? There's a, there's a lot of mathematics involved. Yeah. There are. There's a lot of mathematics involved in terms of how – Imagine this. You, got, you have to gauge how fast a horse runs, right, modified by the coefficient of the speed of the surface that the horse is running on and also by the different distances that the horse is running at. So deceleration factors. There's all kinds of mathematics that goes into it. Weather plays a role as well, you know, come race yeah. day, that sort of a thing. So what about genetics, and, you know, from the stables they come from, the lineage? There are more variables in the sport of horse racing than in, even in the NFL with 32 you know, so 22 guys on each Yeah, side. obviously. With, yeah. with so much math and variables, how did a 13-year-old kid get... <laughs> I, was a get ma- I was a math whiz. Gain the trust <laughs> to be able to handicap horse racing. Uh, and, uh, you know, this is a long time ago. And how not, did you get into that? And not many people... I, I was raised in a little town uh, called Hot Springs, Arkansas, okay. where Bill Clinton actually grew up. Boo. Oh, well, right. <laughs> uh, um well, this is Wisconsin. Maybe there'd be cheers. Yeah, you never know. Yeah. Um, and so it's a town of 30,000, and there would be 60,000 people at the races on Saturday. So it's kind of hard to grow up in a town like that and not, it's, not be interested in the horse races. My parents were fans, and so from an early age. So that's where the Arkansas Derby's run, right? Exactly. Okay. Right, right, Every right. year? Interesting. Yeah. And then I covered, I went to work for a newspaper primarily doing horse racing, but I covered the old Southwest Conference. Oh, Right? The I went thing. to the University of Arkansas. Yeah, right. When Lou Holtz. Yes. When Lou Holtz was at the University of Arkansas, I was covering That's the Razorbacks in Texas and Baylor and all the old SWC schools, you know, A&M. So you've covered a couple of Olympics. You were in yes. Russia for the I Sochi. I was in games. Sochi, Russia. What was that experience like? Better than, better than uh, the media reported over here. Okay. It was. Uh, I thought they did a, uh, a very good job. Of, of putting them on, and more importantly, from my perspective, of putting them on securely. 
I, re I remember driving from, in a bus from the low areas of the Winter Olympics in Sochi, where there were actually palm trees. Sochi yeah. is a beach town. Yeah, I, a lot yeah. of people don't realize that. Yeah. But then you drive an hour away, and then you get, you're in the mountains. And we were in a bus driving up these mountain roads, windy mountain roads, to get to the top where they had all the skiing venues and such. And along the way, you would see little white paper mache huts. They were kind of camouflaged with, uh, with branches into, in the woods. And there were soldiers with Uzis, basically. Wow. In all of these little huts. And I had talked to a couple of people in the Russian military that were at the hotel. And they had sent them out into the woods, basically, with survival kits. And they would hide in the woods for days at a time, just looking for any terrorists that good might Lord. be trying to come into Sochi. What have we become? Yeah, it was wild. Yeah. But they did a good job. Good. Very good job. All right. Very friendly people. Now, that was an Olympic Games where a lot of athletes adopted the wild dogs that were running around Sochi. Do you remember that? There were stray dogs everywhere. Yeah. Did you end up <laughs> getting a dog, bring a dog home? No, they were very strict about yeah. uh, they, it. You, you, you basically had to be an athlete, and you had to have help from your country in order to smuggle the dogs out because <laughs> the Russians were really trying to keep that from happening. They all looked alike, too. I think all the dogs had similar parentage if you went back several generations. Really? But all these dogs looked alike, and they would come up to you and just as sweet and as kind as So you as could just be. pull it's the service animal I'm trying to get on the plane? Yeah. I don't know. No, I don't think so. I don't so. think so, no, don't think so either. Do, no. you have, do you have a favorite story from Sochi, from those games, that kind of sticks out in your mind? Yeah, we, we stayed at a uh, – if, if, if I could show you a picture of it, you wouldn't believe it. It was, it was a Marriott that no one had ever stayed at before. It was built strictly for mm -hmm. the Olympics, right? And it was the nicest hotel I've ever stayed at. It was incredible. <laughs> In the room I stayed in was the very first time anyone had ever been in that room. It was a brand, brand new hotel. And I walked around talking to people that worked at the hotel, and none of them were from Sochi. They were all imported from Siberia, from wow. St. Petersburg, from Moscow, from all over everywhere, and put in dormitories. And so I asked the manager, what's going to happen to this hotel <laughs> after the Olympics? And he said, well, we've got a group of 12 which is, you know, a, a, a political conference scheduled to be here. And that's going to be the saving grace for the hotel because it's sold out. Well, then mm. what happens? Putin invades Ukraine. The group of 12 was canceled. Right. <laughs> and as far as I know, the hotel is vacant and is shuttered and no one's ever stayed in it again. Wow. George Webbs is moving in there. We'll see George what happens. Webbs. Yeah. All right. Hey, Randy Moss, our guest tonight. When we come back, we'll turn our attention back to football. Look ahead to the final couple of months of the regular season. Don't go away. Fifth quarter returns after this. Time out. All right, welcome back. Wow, we're roaring through this hour tonight, having a lot of fun with Randy Moss of the NFL Network. We had a whole, let's see, we had a hot play winner. We got to get a cold play winner now from our friends at Robinson. Let's see if we can't find a winner straight away again to get you qualified for that Lions game at the end of the season. All right, Z. Jim is up first. All What's right, your Jim? guess, Jim? Uh, P.K. Scott's block punt. On the right track, on the right track, but that wasn't it. Uh, sorry, nice try, but uh, that was one uh, that led to a field goal, obviously, and that was the one that made it to 14-12, if I'm not mistaken. So let's try another. Sandy's up next. Uh, the fake punt conversion by the Dolphins. Oh, that's another one that hurt, Ooh. too. But you know what? The Packers answered that with their own fake punt. When their Packers were better than the uh, Dolphins on that one. Uh, yeah, Raven Green, leading rushing average 
per carry now at 26 per. Nice try. Thanks. Still looking for it. Like I said, a few to choose from, and we're hitting on a couple of them, but uh, there were a couple of game plays. Jim game. is back. How about the uh, missed fourth down? Missed fourth down? Uh, I don't know. What was that? What a – Well, Adam's in the backfield. Oh, uh, bad play. Aaron was asked about Why it. Why did you need that there? I, don't, I, I didn't understand I, that I don't play. know either. Yeah. I, I would have kicked it too. But, no, that wasn't it either. So, we're running out of field goals. Oh, we so well, let's get you. the next guy behind you there. All right, what's your guess? Uh, Tremont Williams fumbled. There we go. All table-setting mistakes, but we're going with the first one. Tremont, T-Dub, who after a nice 19-yard punt return in the first quarter, coughed it up for Green Bay's only turnover of the day. I think it was the sleeves. Sleeves. Yeah, I think it was the sleeves. I felt I had a good grip on it, and at the last minute, it just kind of felt like it just slipped out. You know, I don't feel like it was anything that I've done technically. I always carry the ball pretty well. Yeah, had to be the sleeves. Had to be the sleeves. Who's our winner, Z? That is Craig. All right, Craig, congrats. Take on your prize tonight, and you are in. we got just a couple of minutes left here with Randy Moss. Le'Veon Bell going to just... POA eight and plus million, and now maybe sixteen million if he doesn't show up for work tomorrow. Can you believe that? And I drafted him in my fantasy league. <laughs> You're not alone. You're not alone. I mean, he was the worst fantasy decision in the history of fantasy. I thought there was no way that he wouldn't show up at least some point this season. But a couple weeks ago, reading Mike Florio, I mean Florio predicted that he's not going to show up on Tuesday. Tomorrow. We'll Tomorrow's see. the deadline, yeah. If he yeah. doesn't show by tomorrow, he's uh, out for the whole year and forfeits the entire salary, and he's going to go through this whole process again. Unbelievable. Unless the Steelers do something. Unbelievable. Yeah, that is crazy. Uh, if you're the Steelers right now, though, you don't need him. Well, you don't need right. him. Connor's been great. He's what been fantastic, story. and he's a heck of a lot cheaper. Much, Much cheaper. Speaking of going on the cheap, uh, <laughs> Mark Davis, John Gruden, and the Raiders – Closest thing to we're a not, tanking we're franchise not the, we'll we're see. We're not the 76ers who came right out and said that a couple years ago. Uh, this is going to be a process, as they called it. Yeah. Uh, the Raiders' process is very, very curious. Are they doing this to just load up for the move to Vegas? I wish I knew. It's very interesting and uh, disconcerting to a lot of longtime Raiders fans who wanted to see the Raiders have another really good team while they were in Oakland. Yeah. You know, and I mean, it looks like that's obviously not going to happen. And it certainly looks like that they've intentionally been in a rebuilding mode, uh, which I was say. different than what they were trying to portray at the beginning of the that's season. That's for sure. One last thing I got for you, Randy. It hasn't happened around here for a long time, but there are a lot of whispers about Mike McCarthy's future. Oh. Half a season to go. One year left on his contract, new general manager in place, new organizational structure. The vultures are going to be circling, okay? Right. It's going to get a little more tense the longer this thing goes this season, especially if it doesn't go the way the Packers hope it goes, where they get this thing rebounded. How do you think the Packers handle this? How do you think the media handle this? And how do you avoid what could become a constant distraction once we get to December. Well, think about it this way. What are the coaches out there right now that you think you could hire that are better head coaches than Mike McCarthy? I, it would be a very small list to begin with, and most of those guys are already taken and they're not available, if not all of them. I think McCarthy is an outstanding head coach. I mean, I know there's a certain – belief in the NFL that, uh, you know, that even some famous former head coaches themselves, like Bill Walsh, 
have propagated that after 10 years, yeah. the message starts to get a little stale and the results start to decline a little bit. And we're now eight years removed from the Super Bowl with Rodgers, and he's considered one of the greatest of all time, and that this window is closing and they haven't gotten more with him with McCarthy. I, I'm, just, I'm a fan as a head coach of Mike McCarthy. I think he's an outstanding head coach. And I think, personally, it would be a mistake if the Packers Look at this. decided that the grass is greener. All right. We'll I see do. what happens. Yeah. See what happens. So, Seattle, Packers, Thursday night should be a lot of fun. You'll be home. I'm glad you came through the city, and I'm glad you could stop by here and spend a little time with us talking about uh, all kinds of fun stuff. I love Green Bay. It's yeah. the cathedral of the NFL, right? That is uh, that's is. Mecca right up the street. It's the Mecca. It the Mecca, the indeed. cathedral, whatever you want to call it. All right. Is, yeah. this, is this your favorite city to cover football in, or do you have kind of a top five list? Uh, I, Lambeau is my favorite venue in the NFL. Okay. Definitely. I tell people, my wife's family... I live in Minneapolis. My wife's family are diehard Vikings and Packer haters. Really? I'm from the South, so I wasn't raised in that environment. This bank looks like the Death Star. And I tell them all. I said, <laughs> if you've never been to Lambeau Field, you've got to go. It's, it's, it's it in the NFL. So. I agree. I agree. Yeah. But I don't mind visiting Frisco, New Orleans. Seattle's of, a good place to go. Seattle's too. a good place to go. Looking forward to that. One of my best friends is out there. We're going to get together on Wednesday night. And uh, see what happens Thursday night. Enjoy. And come home Friday. Randy, it was a pleasure. Thanks for coming on by. Thank you. I appreciate it. We're going to take a break. When Thank we you. come back, hey, we're sending somebody in the audience to the Packer Pro Shop where the Packs away. You get to play. So don't go away. We'll head to the finish line right after this timeout. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Randy was a treat. Uh, you know, it'd be fun to have the other Randy Moss. I don't think he'd be welcome <laughs> here, though, because he'd probably want to moon you. But this guy was pretty good. Uh, and really, oh, thank you for coming over on the, on the short notice tonight. Packers in Seattle. Fail Mary, 14-12. Yeah, the NFC Championship game in overtime. They got to find a way. Got to find a way to get one done there. They haven't won there since the first trip they took out to that new stadium. Uh, one and four all time. We'll see what happens on Thursday night. I'll be in Seattle. Have coverage for you Thursday morning from Seattle, Friday morning from Seattle. And we're back here next Monday night with another edition. But in the meantime... We're going to send someone off to the Packer Pro Shop from our friends at Robinson. Dig deep there, son. Sue Jakes. Sue's going shopping. Congratulations. Don't go away. We've got a few more door prizes to give away, including our hat from New Era Packer Sideline Cap. Let's see what happens. Can they make it two in a row? They better. They better. Doesn't they got to get a split Minnesota. out of these next two. But, you know, if I had my brothers, I'd rather them win in Minnesota than this one. But if they can get it both, great. We'll see what happens. Until next Monday night, thanks for coming out. So long, everybody. Thanks, everybody.